Take your Bible and go to the First Thessalonians chapter number four. First Thessalonians chapter number four. And while you're finding First Thessalonians chapter number four, just bring a few thoughts to you this morning. And hopefully it'll be a blessing to you in these last days that we're living. And I truly believe that, that we're living in those last days. And I know that, um, uh, I know you believe that as well. You don't have to uh, watch television very much to know that we're living in the last days. Now, if you've been keeping up with things, you will notice that Yesterday in the nation of Israel was they celebrated the the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets ended uh, last night, I think, at uh, 6 p.m. from Friday at 6 to last night at 6. And uh, this is the start of their new year. And so I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And let's begin reading in uh, verse number 13 if we can. And this is what it says. If you've got a Bible, that'd be great. Matter of fact, there's pew Bibles there if you need one. And also it's on the screen for you. So there's uh, three different ways there. But here on the screen or in your Bible, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Notice he's talking to saved people. He calls them brethren. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You ever notice when we're standing by the graveside of a person that we our loved one or a friend, and uh, we have hope. Yes, we sorrow. But the Bible says that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Yes, we sorrow. Yes, we cry. Yes, we're upset. But not as those that have no hope. You understand that if a saved person dies and I'm saved, I will see them again. Yes, it's still sad. Yes, we're going to plant them in the ground. Yes, their soul and spirit is in heaven. But for somebody that has no hope, that's not saved, that does not know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, have no hope, yes, their sorrow's a whole lot worse because they'll never see that person ever again. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, y'all believe that, don't you? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now that Bible says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Notice this, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. You say, who are the dead in Christ? That's the Baptist. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord for allowing us to be here this morning. We pray, Lord, for the next few minutes that you would help us in a very special way. I pray that, Lord, that uh, God, from your word, that we would get some comfort and some help to sustain us for the rest of this week. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. In Concord, Massachusetts, 
at the old North Bridge on April the 19th, 1776, a shot was fired and sparked the Revolutionary War. That war brought our freedom as the United States of America. Some have argued who fought, who shot the first shot, or who fired the first shot. And some say uh, the British did, and some say we did. And uh, I don't know who fired the first one. I just know who fired the last one. Because we are here, and they're over there. And that shot rang out, and historians said that that shot was heard around the world. Even King George heard that shot in Great Britain. He sent some more troops over here uh, to our land, and he did not realize there were some old country boys in Georgia and Tennessee and North Carolina and South Carolina and Delaware that had guns and wasn't going to put up with a tyrant government. If you don't have a gun, you need a gun. If you don't have a gun, you ought to have it. You say, well, Jesus, hey, Jesus told his disciples, buy a sword and sell it not. Amen. Uh, those men came here to America seeking religious freedom. Our forefathers had to die so that even to this day we could have religious freedom and we're not going to give it up easy. Now, we should have had more amens on that, right, that statement right there than we did. And we're not giving up our religious freedom that easy. In the midst of this conflict, uh, Patrick Henry rose up and said, Give me liberty or give me death. Thank God for that event. And then there was another fellow by the name of John Hancock. Became very famous for his large signature on the Declaration of Independence. You know, that's why he said, he said, I'm writing my name very large because I want the British to be able to read it without glasses. I want you to know that's my signature. That's where we get the phrase, put your John Hancock right here. And that document, they were signing their own death warrant when they did that. Ladies and gentlemen, they said that was a shot heard around the world. But I'll be honest, I'm not uh, talking about a shot heard around the world this morning. I'm talking about a shout that's going to be heard around the world one of these days. Over there in our scripture, 1 Thessalonians uh, talks about this event and says there's going to be a shout. The trump of God, uh, the, the uh, voice of the archangel. Therefore, this event's going to change the world. And it's going to commence with a shout. Believe it or not, the trumpet's going to sound. The clouds are going to roll back and Jesus is going to step out on them clouds. And Jesus is coming again. Some of my favorite verses of scripture right here. If you go to this church regularly, you know I speak of these very, very often in passing. And ladies and gentlemen, you say, why? Why do you keep talking about this event? Is because this event is coming to a city near you. Jesus is coming again. When our country don't know which bathroom to go into... 
when our country is voting whether to, uh, you can kill a baby after two seconds after it's born or three seconds before it's born, uh, we're in a mess and Jesus is coming very soon. A lot of great shouts in the Bible. Over there in Joshua chapter 6, they shouted when they marched around the walls of Jericho. They shouted when uh, David killed Goliath. They shouted when they got across uh, the Red Sea and all of that kind of thing. They shouted when they brought, brought the Ark of the Covenant back in. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, they shouted, Hosanna, Son of God, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In John chapter number 11, Jesus shouted at the grave of Lazarus and all of these different things when Jesus hung on the cross he shouted he cried with a loud voice it is finished but the shout of all shouts the one that's going to take us out of here is the shout that's coming one of these days when Jesus comes back and rolls the clouds back and the church leaves out of here in a world where religiously we're confused and where many false prophets have arose, we need to quit looking for the sign and we need to start listening for the sound. Because it's coming one of these days. You say, preacher, in the midst of all these uncertain sounds, how am I going to know when the shout happens? Well, over in John chapter number 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So when he gives a shout, you're going to know exactly. Mary knew the shout when Jesus called her by name. Lazarus knew the shout when he called him by name. Zacchaeus knew the shout when he called him by name. So you're not going to have any trouble knowing when the shout happens. We see here, number one, the dissension of the Savior. We see here where it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Notice the person that's coming. It's, he's not going to send another person. He's going to do this in himself. When God wanted to rescue a world from the flood, he sent a man by the name of Noah. When God wanted to call a nation out from the Earl of Chaldees, he called a man and sent a man by the name of Abraham. When God wanted to write the book of Psalms, he called a man by the name of David. When God wanted to bring the temple of God and build a structure, God sent a man by the name of Solomon. All through the Bible, God sent different men. When God wanted to send prophets, he sent people like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Micah and Hosea and so on and so forth. When he wanted to give the call to the one that's coming from the virgin womb, he sent a man by the name of John the Baptist. But on this particular day, he's not going to send Noah. He's not going to send Paul. He's not going to send John the Baptist or Abraham. The Bible says the Lord himself is going to do this. And so when God wants to call his body, his building, his bride, the Lord says, I'll do it myself. The Lord himself. That over there in Acts chapter number 1, where Jesus ascended back into heaven. In Acts chapter number 1, those two angels stood there and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus in like manner is coming back just as you've seen him go. He left out in the clouds. He's coming back in the clouds. 
parents, this one that was born of a virgin womb, this one that lived a sinless life, this one that walked the shores of Galilee, this one that healed the eyes of the blind, the one that opened the ears of the deaf, this same one that prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, this same one that hung his hands out on the cross and said, it is finished, that same one that ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for me and for you. This same Jesus is coming in like manner, just as you've seen him go. Somebody asked me, how do you know you're going to heaven? I said, well, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm saved. They said, well, how do you know you're going to heaven just because you're saved? I said, I'm following the one that knows the way. You say, preacher, how do you know he knows the way? Well, he came from heaven. And then after he died on the cross, he went back to heaven. Then he came back down here, met with the disciples. And then in Acts chapter number one, he went back to heaven. So after three trips, I think he pretty well knows the way. And I'm following the one that knows the way. You say, preacher, why'd he leave? So he could send us his Holy Spirit. You know, that Bible says the Lord himself's going to descend from heaven. The voice of the archangel, that's a military term. We got several military people in our congregation. That's a military term. That's a shout of command. When you go set up camp, it's, a, it's not a permanent place. It's a temporary place. So you set up your tent and you put the stakes down and you drive those stakes down into that ground so it's easy to pick up in the morning and take off. And so in the morning, the captain is going to say, strike the tent, strike the tent. And in the Civil War, that meant to pull up the stakes, roll up the ropes, fold up the flaps. We're moving out of here. One of these days, we'll hear the captain Say, strike up the tent, strike up the tent, roll up the flaps. We're headed out of here to another country. Young people, you're not going to believe this, but the Bible, in Bible days, they didn't have uh, text messages. They didn't have smartphones or cell phones or flip phones or Facebook or Twitter. So in the Bible days, if they wanted to send a text they did it with the sound of a trumpet. These trumpets, they would blow those ram's horns. You've seen those rams have those uh, horns that stick out. And uh, they would blow those ram horns, uh, and they would make certain sounds to signal certain events. Number one, there was three different sounds. And, and uh, it might sound something, uh, something similar to this. I just got goosebumps. One of those sounds was a call to war. The second sound you heard was a call to worship. The third sound you heard was a call to a wedding. Ladies and gentlemen, when they made these sounds, uh, these trumpet sounds, uh, one of these days, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And when that trump makes that first sound, it's signifying to this world, uh, you're fixing to go to war. 
It's signifying to the church, we're going to worship. And number three, the church, we're headed for a wedding. Stay in your seat. Don't get excited. But one of those sounds, I'm telling you, is going to signify the dissension of the Savior. But not only that, let me give you this. Number two is the deliverance of the saved. Notice what he said. The Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the deliverance of the saved. The dead in Christ will rise first. There's two parts to the deliverance of the saved. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That first part is the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Notice it says in Christ. You have to be in Christ to be resurrected on that particular day. Under the Jewish economy, this is what they would do. When the master of a wheat field, a master of the wheat field would go out. He would grab, right before the harvest, he would grab a handful of wheat, just some that he could stick in his hand. He would go back to the master of the house and wave it as an offering, saying, there's more where this came from. Let me get to the Pentecostal side. This is something we can be thankful for because there's more where this came from. One of these days, do you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. So when he went back to heaven, he's waving, telling the master of the house, there's more where this come from. There's a whole lot more down there that we're going to receive the harvest and they're going to be harvested up and come up hither. That's the resurrection of the dead. Uh, Jesus said, because I live, you can live also. One, uh, I remember, Brother Charles, I think I told you about this, and one of my favorite preachers is a fellow by the name of B.R. Lakin. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard him or not. He's dead and gone, but anyway, B.R. Lakin, love to hear. Still, still got CDs and different things that I like to put in the truck and listen to and encourage along the way when you're driving up down the road and I was preaching uh, three or four years ago up in Roanoke, Virginia, just very near Lynchburg. Lynchburg, Virginia is where Jerry Falwell is, is buried. And right on the uh, Liberty University campus, B.R. Lakin is buried there along with his wife uh, and along with Jerry Falwell there and got to look and visit uh, that particular grave. One time we went to Greenville, South Carolina. In Greenville, South Carolina, there's a cemetery over there near uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church where Oliver B. Green, Oliver B. Green is laid to rest out in that cemetery. Just in that same cemetery, there's a fellow by the name of uh, Harold Seitler. Harold Seitler preached a sermon, the four hallelujahs of Revelation 19. I'm talking about they don't even make preachers like that anymore. And uh, these preachers didn't share. They preached. If they didn't sweat through their shirt while they preached, they don't feel like they preached. And so this is the preachers I'm talking about. This is the kind of preachers I was raised up on. And, and so Harold B. Siler was out there. And then just uh, around the bend over there in the same graveyard is of one of my all-time favorite preachers, Billy Kelly. Yeah. Billy Kelly uh, could walk into a church he was 400 pounds if he was an ounce. I mean, a big one. 
You say, why the big preachers? I look, I, this is what he said. You said, Why are you 400 pounds? He said, I've had the greatest fear of my life is dying hungry. <laughs> He'd walk into a church and they'd say, Brother Billy, would you come sing? And he would come over and sit down to the piano and he would sing, Like the prodigal son, I wandered in darkness. And he would sing that song, and I'm talking about the Spirit of God would fall. In a Baptist church, the Spirit of God would fall. And I'm talking about I'd get a cold chill up my left leg, and I'm Baptist. That don't ever happen. I remember, you can look this up. Billy Kelly's funeral is on, online. It lasted about three or four hours. And Billy Kelly did most of the preaching in his own funeral. They had him recorded. And he would sing. And when they brought his casket down the center aisle, there, there's no telling. I don't tell the Tabernacle Baptist Church, Greenville, South Carolina, this place was humongous. And they marked his casket down the center aisle. And while they was marching down the center aisle, Billy Kelly come over the, the speakers. I will meet you in the morning by the bright riverside. When all sorrow has drifted away, I'll be standing at the portals when the gates open wide. Talking about I'll meet you in the morning. And that place was going hog wild. You'd have thought you was at a football game the way they was hollering and carrying on. And I'm talking about and I, that whole thing. I watched, I've watched it several times. If you need encouragement, you, do, you say at a funeral, Yes. Man, his body's laying up there, and then all of a sudden, they get ready to, uh, this is three hours later, the services, they done, they done sung, preached three or four guys, and here he goes, they marching, the, uh, the uh, funeral undertakers are marching, rolling his body out, and they put him on the loudspeaker. Swing wide the gates, I'm coming home. Swing wide the gates, I'm coming home. Listen, this is, we're talking about saved people, resurrected. Would you like to be standing in that graveyard? I'm talking about when you hear that trumpet sound and the dead in Christ. I can see Billy Kelly getting up saying, I will meet you in the morning. You go over here to Mady Cemetery over here. I got a dad over there. I got a sister over there. I got a grandson and I never got to meet over there buried right there, got grandparents over there. One of these days this is going to become reality and the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. It's going to be the resurrection of the dead. You say, preacher, why are you telling us this? It's because every day you breathe, we're getting closer to the coming of the Son of Man. You can't tell me as you look at cities burning to the ground and you can see our, our government system turned upside down. Something that was founded upon God and the Bible has now been totally turned upside down. You can't tell me that the Lord's going to put up with that very much longer. The resurrection of the dead. But then, now the second part of that is the rapture of the saved. You've got the resurrection of the dead, and then you've got the rapture of the living. You, not, not, even, not even the folks that are dead. Think about all the babies that have been killed and murdered. We're going to meet them one day. Yes. 
You say, preacher, I got a boy who went to went the army and they, they cremated him and I don't know where they sprung his ashes. I can promise you this, if he's saved, God knows exactly where he's at. He'll call him up and put him right back together. You say, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, think about it. That's how Adam started. From the dust of the ground, breathed his nostrils, breath of life, man became a living soul. I don't think God's going to have any trouble finding your loved one out at the sea and the, in the, in the wherever. Calling up the resurrection of the dead and the rapture of the living. Now, I'm going to do something my dad would kill me for. But that word caught up. That word caught up. And Brother Charles probably do the same thing. The Greek word. Y'all ready? The Greek word. I looked this up and I said, man, that's worth sharing right there. The Greek word for caught up is harpezo. It's where we get our word harpoon. And I got to thinking, I said, well, what's that got to do with being caught up? And I, and I watched those guys in, that, in those boats, and they would have those guns with those arrows with a rope on the end of it. And they would shoot them fish in, in, in clear water. They would shoot those fish and pull them up real quickly. They would harpoon them and pull them up. <laughs> One of these days, uh, you're going to get harpooned <laughs> and get caught up out of here. Harpazo, harpooned. Isn't that something? Aren't you looking forward to getting harpooned? <laughs> to be removed suddenly. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you this. I'm, I'm from the country. I like cornbread. I'm talking about beans. I'm talking about come. This is our country. Crumble, crumble up your cornbread and put white beans, soupy white beans on top of that and eat it with a spoon. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. And you might even put a Vidalia onion in there and that'll really help it. But let me tell you, I remember science class. And we had a boy in there. They called him cornbread because he was the country. We was in science class studying magnets on that particular day. I remember it. And the teacher, she had straight pins over here. And she had toothpicks over here. And she was teaching us about magnets. And we was in science class. And she ran that magnet over them straight pins. And them straight pins went... And then she ran that same magnet across them toothpicks. And them toothpicks didn't do nothing. They looked like a lot of Baptists singing that song, I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water, I shall not be moved. Unless we vote on it. And I remember her going to Cornbread. And she said, Cornbread, can you explain what just happened? And this is what he said. I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, well, there's something in that there magnet that gets hooked up with something in them there pins. But whatever is in that magnets and pins ain't in them toothpicks. Amen. Them pins has got something in them that them toothpicks don't have. 
And I remember that to this day. One of these days, the Lord's going to call us out of here, and the only ones that's leaving is the ones that's got the same stuff that's in the magnet. Because if you're a bunch of toothpicks, you ain't leaving here. You stand behind, and that's as country as we can get it. That's why you drove to Millsfield, because you like the country. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm a straight pin. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I like fast things. I like fast. I like moving fast. I like driving fast. I, I, I really like driving fast. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it, really, it really tests my salvation. When you got two, on the interstate, I-40, you got two semis side by side. And they, one, they can't pass one another. They're governed. They can't pass one another, so they just stay side by side. I have to pull over and get saved again. <laughs> I'm like, there ought to be a law against that. It's called the fast lane for a reason. I think they ought to do away with driver's license and speed limit signs and let it be every man for himself. That's going to be my platform that I'm running on. <laughs> Every man for himself. If you can't hack it, get your jacket and get off the road. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but I like fast things. But this is what I found. And I'm going to tell you this. I found that the furthest star that the scientists have been able to find with the most powerful telescope that they have is 500 million light years away. That means, now I don't know if y'all know this, but a, a light travels at 186,000 miles a second. Not a mile, not a per, per, uh, per mile, per second. 186,000 miles per second. That's moving. So that means if you and I could move 186,000 miles a second, it would take us 500 million light years to get to that further star that those scientists have found. 500 million years. But that Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, <laughs> that's moving. I'm, I'm talking about moving. People ask me, say, why do you, why do you, your hair? I say, well, it's not a choice. I mean, I just, it, 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 it won't, won't grow. If you can't grow it, mow it. Do you understand? <laughs> but everybody in heaven is going to look like me because... It says there'll be no parting over there. <laughs> and when you're moving that fast, your hair's coming off anyway when you get to heaven. So don't make fun of me. We all gonna look like this one day. But I'm not going in an airplane. I'm going on a plane air ride. Now let me give you this. We've had fun and I wanted us to. But you have the dissension of the saved. You've got the deliverance of the saved. But number three, you have the doom of the sinner. And the doom of the sinner, let me show you this. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, and we've heard that here in the last few days. Peace, peace in the Middle East. Peace and safety then, sudden destruction cometh upon them. It travailed as a woman with child. And they shall not escape. Let me prophesy and let me tell you this real quick. Watch this. If the, if the, if the trumpet was to sound right now, if the trumpet was to sound right now, 
Dalton, give me, that, give me that, that trumpet sound right now. Everybody that's saved would leave out of here. People in the graveyard going to go first, then we're going to catch up with them in the middle of the air. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Then those that are not saved, do not know Jesus Christ, will be left here in the seats. Now listen to me real close, real close. I can tell you what's fixing to happen. You're fixing to get up out of your seat. You're fixing to run down here. You're going to knock over candles and, and offering bags and flyers and, and microphone stands and everything else. You're, going to you're not even going to come down the aisle. You're going to jump over seats. You're going to come down to this altar. And you're going to say, oh, God, I wish you'd listen. I should have listened. Please save me, Lord. Please save me. Don't leave me here. Don't be too late. You should have accepted Jesus Christ while that door was still open. You say, preacher, why are you trying to scare us? Listen, if I could scare you into heaven, I'd scare everybody in the whole world into heaven. What I'm telling you right now is real as real can be. Say, preacher, I don't like to be scared. I don't like that. Look, it's, it's no worse than some of that stuff you watch on television. And that's fake. This is real. And it's coming to a city near you. And Jesus Christ is coming. And those that have, you say, preacher, why would God do that? Why would God leave people behind? Listen, the door's been open for thousands and thousands of years. That Bible says that God is long-suffering to us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Amen. Come to Christ while that door of opportunity is still open. I don't know when that trumpet's going to sound. I have no idea. I would, I, if I was guessing, I would probably guess it would, might be around the Feast of Trumpets. I don't know. It would match up. But I have no idea because the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. I don't know. have no idea. But what my job is, is to be ready. Your job is to be ready. Because the Lord's coming. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't know him, I want you to know him today. What a day that's going to be.
He died on the cross for you, paid your sin debt. And he wants to save you. 